Today's show is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a free premium 30-day trial specifically for the listeners of Geekspace 9 at the URL GameflyOffer.com slash GS9. Again, that is GameflyOffer.com slash the letter G, the letter S, and the number 9. Welcome to Geek Space 9, the Tuscan Shed Media Network podcast where we discover and or rediscover the classic Star Trek series, Deep Space Nine. With me as always is Sarah Becker. How are you, Sarah? Well, on this day of April, which I don't know when the podcast is going to be released, but the weather decided it was going to be 60 degrees and cloudy and windy, even though it was 90 degrees about Five hours ago. So, yeah. Texas weather. It's Texas, a fun time. Texas. Yep, it's great. It's uh, very true. The whole, like the weather, uh, wait five minutes. Kind of. Uh, mm-hmm. It's a true adage. And how are you, Peter Dancy? I'm doing pretty good. Um, my, uh, my, my my neighbors have, have in their backyard one, one of those, like, really big inflatable castle slide things. <laughs> oh. Yeah. So, yeah. W- yeah, because because I I was driving home from hanging out with some friends earlier today, and I was like, okay, I know that there, I know that it's the weekend and cars are usually parked on the road, but why is there a significant a significant there's significantly more cars? And then I saw peeking out from behind their from behind their house in their backyard, and I was like, that explains it. It's someone's birthday. Aww. Okay, I have a bouncy castle. They have a bouncy castle, and I was like, I want to be five again. I know, right? Yes. You ever been a bouncy castle an adult, and then a kid like gravitates towards you because you clearly have just way too much mass, and you shouldn't be in right. the bouncy castle, and you're like, that's right. You are the sun, and they are the planets. Yeah. You're like you will all bend to me. After <laughs> doing that twice and having a kid like hit his head and be like, eh, it's like, eh, yeah, hey, bouncy castles are over forever. Okay. Do so- they make like? adult-sized bouncy castles because i feel like that would they have a really good market for that <laughs> we should definitely get a drunk bouncy castle and have yeah. uh, many no not drunk because people it. will break their not necks not and it will be horrendous <laughs> That's true. of course be it will end up being a drunk bouncy. somewhere where, where that where this where that would be profitable at oh, least yeah. a niche market i think you could make a you know, decent profit out of that so before we begin i have a question for you guys which is uh oh. Our good friend Jack just got engaged. Clap for Woo! Jack. Right. Yeah. Woo. Uh, so the question is, will this episode come out before or after his wedding? Ooh. <laughs> so we are um, so backlogged on episodes. Uh, I'll say before. I, I think I, before, I, too. I, yeah. I mean, because, granted, I've never had to plan a wedding myself, but... I've seen the process thanks to a bunch of mutual friends. It takes a long ass time to get everything together, depending on how big you want to do, what you want to do, where you want to do it. So, yeah, I sort of envision uh, he hasn't told us, you know, even a tentative date or anything like that, but I sort of envision like fall a year from now. Fall a year from now. Okay. Kind of. I'll be curious when we listen to this episode where we're at with all that. So. Yes. <laughs> I right. have to check back in. Which I assume this episode will be out before fall a year from now, but we will see. <laughs> I'm bad at math, so I can't tell <laughs> you. 
All right, well, this week we are discussing Season 4, Episode 15 and 16, which is Sons of Moh and Bar Association. So, first up is Sons of Moh. We begin this episode with Worf and Dax having a very hot and sweaty duel, but they are interrupted by Odo, who says a drunk and belligerent Klingon named Kern is aboard. Worf arrives to discover that it is indeed his brother, who is upset at the dishonor Worf has brought on his house of Mo, due to him turning his back on the Klingons in their war against the Federation. Kern tells Worf that their house's assets have been seized, Kern kicked off the High Council, and all their house name dishonored. Kern demands Worf give him the only thing he can, an honorable death through Mok Tovar, a ritualistic murder-suicide that would allow Kern entry into the Klingon afterlife. Worf reluctantly agrees and begins the ceremony. Jadzia, learning Worf asks for a specific incense, realizes his plan and rushes to his quarters, only to find Worf plunging his dagger into his brother's chest. Jadzia transports Kern to the medical bay, and Odo arrests him for attempted murder. Thanks to Dr. Bashir, Kern lives, but Sisko forbids Worf from performing the ceremony again, claiming that he cannot allow them to keep doing Klingon traditions that break Federation law. Worf changes his mind on the ceremony, but Kern is still adamant, saying that Worf is not a Klingon for, for not fighting off Jedzia and Odo to finish the job. Kern relents that he is now in Worf's hands. At the advice of Dax, Worf gets Odo to give Kern a low-level security job, which he seems to be doing admirably. However, when Kern discovers a freighter smuggling illegal cargo, he is shot by the captain, though he lives. Odo tells Worf that Kern had every opportunity to disarm the captain, but let himself get shot in order to die, and tells Worf he cannot allow that kind of person on his staff. Meanwhile, the Defiant comes across a Klingon ship which has been hit by an unknown explosion, something that has been occurring a lot around the station lately. The Klingons are cagey about asking for help, but agree to come aboard the station for medical treatment. After Bashir discovers suspicious damage to the Klingons, the group realize what has been going on. The Klingons have been adding space mines all around the wormhole, an act of all-out war, though they aren't currently armed. Worf, seeing an opportunity to help Kern, asks him to join him in infiltrating the Klingons around the station to discover the location of the mines. During the mission, Kern is forced to kill a fellow Klingon, which only deepens his depression and makes Worf question his skills. The duo are able to get the location of the mines, and Major Kira detonates them all, causing the cloaked ships to flee. On DS9, Worf knows that there is no way to help his brother without killing him, but Dax gives him a solution. After getting Kern drunk, Worf has Dr. Bashir wipe his memories of Worf and his family. A fellow Klingon, Nagra, agrees to pretend Kern is his son, renamed Rodik, who will guide him for the rest of his life as a new identity. The procedure works, and Kern leaves with Nagra. On his way out, he sees Worf and asks, Are you my family too? To which Worf replies, I have no family. What do we think of Sons of Mo? I forgot how sad the ending of this episode was. Worf just can't win. He's He and O'Brien must get along for their suffering parties <laughs> <laughs> even though he doesn't like even though he doesn't like o'brien showing up to his quarters so much maybe it's why yeah. o'brien is like you understand me yes Please, i need and a Worf hug. is like i must suffer alone <laughs> it is noble o'brien's like please i need a hug and Worf is like i don't do hugs <laughs> <laughs> i have no family i have no hugs yes yeah this episode is intense <clears throat> what are you gonna say sir yeah 
Well, just, um, I don't know, it's interesting. It was intense, and there were a lot of really good moments, and this is the, the, you know, difficult situation of, you know, dude wants to die, and it's like, hey, there's a Klingon ritual that will let you help me do this without bringing, you know, the dishonor of suicide, but then he can't seem to make it happen. <laughs> uh, but all of that said, I don't know, like, I wasn't really gripped by anything in this episode, I guess. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe I just don't really care about Kern as a character. Yeah, Kern's never been one of my favorites. I certainly like the Klingon episodes, but I don't think like TNG ever really did enough of the idea of this brother he never knew he had and discovered he had right. later on. Yeah. It, they don't establish him enough, and so because of that, he doesn't really stick in your mind, to be honest. And yeah, I didn't feel the like the brotherly connection that theoretically should have existed between them. It was more like, oh well, you know, Koloth has come onto the ship and was like, I want to end things. Actually, I probably would have felt more connection to Koloth because of all of the DS Nine Klingon episodes that have happened. Right, <laughs> right. And that's the other thing is we're we're four seasons separate. Well, I don't remember when TNG ended, but probably about three or four seasons separate from TNG at this mm-hmm. point, and you know. At the very least, we ourselves have been focused mainly on this show, so it definitely feels like it's like, remember Kern? You're supposed to feel real sad about his situation, and and it doesn't quite work because you haven't spent any time with him. It's like literally he shows up for this one episode, they write him out of the show, and then it's like, well, there's Kern. <laughs> it was a by the yeah. Kern, everybody. We wrap. It does feel more like a plot hole, not plot hole. I don't know character wrap up than anything else. Yeah. And he shows up pretty much the same way that most Klingons have shown up on the space station. Hey, we have a drunk Klingon here. <laughs> we need help. <laughs> it might be... More drunk Klingons on this show, I swear. I'm surprised Quark has not implemented like a, a five-drink limit on Klingons. <laughs> I'm surprised Quark is like, you gotta stop. We gotta stop with this. Can you imagine Quark trying to put this a drink limit true. on Klingons? They would kill him. I can't. I can't imagine Quark doing that because he because he doesn't want to turn away a paying customer. This is also true. Also true. Just make Odo go do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when things get out of hand. Indeed, indeed. So should we talk a little bit about the Jedzia Wharf thing? It's gonna happen. Yes, that needs to be a thing. It needs to happen. She is so into him. Yeah, like, you could just tell. Really into him. It's like, Although I love that line where he said something about like you know you're you're you dressed in a scantily clad outfit to distract me, and she's like, "What makes you think I wore this for you?" <laughs> I loved that. I was like, "Get it, Dax. Female empowerment." <laughs> Dax is like, "I look this hot always." Okay, so. Mm-hmm. Around you or not? It's like I, it's just it's like I literally do not need anyone to tell me I'm hot because I know I'm hot. But thank you for you know recognizing it and acknowledging it. But I beat you there like ten years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Was it this episode where she had that really good eye lighting again? Oh yeah, I think it was. Or was that the next episode? So. It's one of these two, yeah. Where she, she once again there was like really close up on her beautiful blue eyes again. Oh. And it's, and it's just like that classic like Hollywood-esque glamour lighting where it's like all beautiful. And you're like, oh. She's a very old school Hollywood actress looking. Like she, yeah. she, she definitely yeah. could look really good in black and white, I feel like. Surrounded by horns and Alfred Hitchcock leering at her with the camera. <laughs> <laughs> 
But yeah, it just it needs to happen already. I'm just like, come on, yes. Warp buddy. I don't. I guess what I'm curious is whether Warp is just that oblivious, or whether Warp doesn't want to move on after what happened with the uh, the mother of his child. That's my True. only I reason I could see that. Plus, as we remembered, when Worf banged that lady, he was like, we must marry now. (laughs) That's true. And she was like, whoa, 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 buddy, whoa. It was fun, but whoa. That being said, uh, back in TNG, do you remember that episode where Worf, like, experiences this weird, like, alternate timeline thing, and he's, like, married to Counselor Troy and all that stuff? And then at the very end of the episode, when he's back in quote the real timeline he like asked her out on a date yeah <laughs> and it's it's really sweet but, but all of that to say you know that makes me think he would be okay with moving on yeah as it yeah. were that's true maybe, maybe because that's maybe already least, happened maybe at least for right now he's just kind of treating it the same way that, that he's the same the same way that cisco is where he's just like or he's like i'm potentially interested but it's a big step. <laughs> it's a big yes, step. it's a big step. <laughs> TM. At least, at least he didn't say it's a really big step. <laughs> I mean, he's got quarters all to himself now. I mean, come on, buddy. Like that's true. Just, like, I mean, he's doesn't he just like living on the Defiant yeah. by himself? Like they've got a whole ship in which to bang. Yeah. It'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> now that is a uh, that is not going to happen on the show. But I would like to read a slash fiction of O'Brien walking in and that. Like, oh, still. sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> we'll go go away. Yes. <laughs> this is the engineering room, Anne. <laughs> it's good leverage right here. The point B. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on before this gets too graphic. Yeah, to plot. Yeah. The podcast. Um, we had to do the more fun but, stuff. Uh, uh, yeah, what are you saying, sir? Well, just, you know, I'm, I, I'm all for the slow burn. I live for the slow burn. And also, quite frankly, I'm still a little bit sore about... What is it? Lenara Khan? Yeah. Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. That's fair. That's true. So I need, I'm still, re- I am still recovering from that. Therefore. <laughs> you don't want her to move on I just need, yet. I, I need I more time. <laughs> uh, I would agree. My wee we lesbian heart can't take this. <laughs> I don't know if it's this episode or the other one, but. But one of the quick things before we get back to serious things, there was a, a cute little moment where another O'Brien and Bashir in costumes it seems to be a running oh my God, yes. theme. I this uh, love every moment. Series. <laughs> They're always in some adorable costumes. This time it was uh, O'Brien is a king of Ireland about to do an ancient battle. <laughs> it was lovely to so see. So there them. were these like giant fur coat things. Right. And, like, I'm sure like, why do you get to be king? Well, the king's name was O'Brien, so of course it's going to be me. Shut up. <laughs> He's my ancient ancestor. Plus, it's my, plus it's, yes. it's, it's my, it's my holosuite data. It's my, it's my holosuite program. Why would I not want to make myself king? <laughs> Having known a few Irishmen in my time, they all think they were descended from the king of Ireland. It's a, yes. <laughs> Irish and Scots. It's a very classic. Uh, this is true. <laughs> well, back to the more serious side of this episode. Uh, uh, How do you feel about sort of the the way it, it viewed Klingon suicide it reminded me a lot of um, the Bushido code and, and seppuku in the samurai mm-hmm. tradition. Yeah. So I was curious how you sort of felt about this whole like issue mm-hmm. of wanting to die the way they dealt with it. I mean, you're exactly right to compare it to, you know, the ritualistic suicide 
death things and I don't know. I mean, that's just a different morality than we seem to have here in the West. Then again, you hear all the time about people who are, you know, very old or have terminal diseases and they just want to be like, you know, fuck it. Like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Give me an overdose of, you know, whatever drug is used for that sort of thing. And um, to be honest, I don't really know where the laws stand on that. It's in the West. Still, it's it's tricky. I, I, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. not going a whole euthanasia talk, but I just sort of it, it is definitely an interesting idea with the conflict in this one, particularly with Federation and Klingon law, which I thought was sort of interesting. Mm-hmm. Didn't really do much of, but like I thought it was an interesting idea where it's like just gonna be like, all right, dude, I I gotta cross the line at murder. <laughs> like I gotta stop eventually with the. I can only do so much and. It's an interesting idea of, of having to deal with all these religions in your uh, in your homeland and then having to uh, put that against federation law, which is more, which isn't religious law. You know, it is more classic civil law in the way right. that sort of contradicts things. It's just an idea. Do you feel that Worf did the right thing in the episode? In the end? Yeah, by wiping his memory. Uh, I think he did. Or I mean, yeah, in a way, yeah, yeah, because you know he was able to you know follow Captain Cisco's orders by not killing him, but at the by the same token, he did end Kern's life, which is what Kern wanted, and you know get into honor. semantics here and whatever. But you know, at the end of the day, all needs were met. Everyone is happy except for Worf because he's suffering, <laughs> and and the and the Klingon Empire because all of their minds are gone. Yes, yes, and probably some of them are shapeshifters. I'm almost certain of it. Oh I God! Was, I, yeah, well, I, didn't think of that. I didn't think of that. I literally did not think of that until you said it. Now I'm scared. <laughs> I mean, mm. come on. There's got to be there's got to be some shapeshifters in there. Oh yeah, there's shapeshifters all over the place. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I mean from. From 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 when from when uh, there was the whole martial law on Earth and in, in, par- in Paradise Lost, and we found out there's only four of us, not including Odo, on this planet. So there, so so I would so I was I would say in that Klingon fleet that was like just kind of hovering around the space station and and the and the um, and the wormhole. There's probably like two. Yeah. Enough to cause drama, but un- enough to cause drama, but not, but not enough to, but not enough to break, to, not enough to make it really weird and suspicious. Yes, totally. Was there anything else to say for Sons of Mo? I will say I like, I like how, I like how when they were detonating all, detonating all the mines, Kira was like, "Okay, I'm gonna give you a warning. This is all, this is all I'm saying." <laughs> that was really badass. And, and it's like no one's moving. It's like. They th- it's like okay they think i'm bluffing okay sec okay that sector over there pff, there they go all right now just just take out all of them <laughs> yep watching all the little cloak ships fly away that was great right for you the listeners of geek space 9 gamefly is offering a premium free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service and you guys if you are gamers out there and i'm sure if you listen to star trek you very well could be a gamer you guys have to check out gamefly.com they have over 8,000 new releases and classics available to rent for xbox one ps4 wii u and a lot of older systems as well and get this 
you can have any console game or handheld game delivered directly to your mailbox that you get to have as long as you want. And I don't know about you guys, but if you've gone to the game store lately and bought a new AAA game, you'll find out that things are pretty dang expensive. And you could be $60 in a hole of a game you don't even like, whereas in Gamefly, you can just send that bad boy back, get a new one in, and keep that one as long as you like. There are never any due dates or late fees. And get this, now Gamefly actually lets you rent Blu-ray and DVD movies as too. So if you're a nerd like me, and still get your movies in the mail the old-fashioned way, old-fashioned as in 2005, then you're going to love Gamefly.com. Plans start with one disc a month for $15.95, but as mentioned before, you can get a free 30-day trial by going to GameFlyOffer.com slash GS9. Again, that's GameFlyOffer.com slash the letter G, the letter S, and the number 9 for your free 30-day trial. Well, next episode is Bar Association. After suffering for weeks with an ear infection because Quark won't give him sick leave, Rom collapses in the bar. Bashir treats Rom and notes that the infection was only days away from being fatal. Rom tells Bashir Quark doesn't allow for paid sick leave, to which Bashir offhandedly suggests Rom and the other employees should form a union. Rom dismisses it, but changes his mind when he discovers Quark has cut the salaries of all his employees, claiming loss of profits due to the Bajoran time of cleansing a religious ceremony that forbids drink for a month. Rom convinces all the employees to have a secret meeting and suggest forming a union. While Lita and the non-Ferengi are on board, the Ferengi staff are frightened of the idea. Unions are a major taboo in Ferengi culture, and they worry that the FCA will punish them. However, Rom convinces them, and they write up a list of demands. Quark laughs off the demands when presented to him, so the staff goes on strike, blocking the main entrance to Quark's bar and paying enough customers to not enter. While Quark tries to use holographic versions of himself as servers, the bar is mostly empty. While O'Brien and Bashir watch who enters the bar and who moves on, they are disappointed when Worf enters and they go to talk to him. Talking turns into brawling and the trio get locked up for the night. Angry three senior officers got arrested over this matter, Sisko decides to end the strike himself by meeting with Quark, and threatening to have him pay the rent and power he's been using for free for the last four years. Quark quickly agrees to the most logical solution, trying to bribe Rom, but Rom still says no. However, Quark is happy when Brunt from the FCA arrives with two Nausicans, who says he wants to end the strike any way possible. Brunt tries to scare the Ferengi of the Union into backing down, but unlike some of the more cowardly members, Rom stands his ground. With that not working, Brunt focuses on what Rom loves most, Quark, who he beats to a pulp. In the infirmary, Quark agrees to a compromise. He will secretly give the strikers what they want, but they have to pretend to have lost and disband the Union for the sake of the FCA. Rom agrees, and the strike is over. At the reopening of the bar after the Bajoran time of cleansing, Rom arrives and asks for a drink a way of telling Quark that he has quit. He is now going to be a junior repair technician for the station, as the excitement of the strike has inspired him to do something more with his life. On the B-plot, Worf is continuing to find it difficult to adjust to life on the station. When he discovers a thief has stolen his tooth sharpener, he reams out Odo for allowing such transgressions, to which Odo snides back at his, let's be frank, many times the Enterprise was bamboozled as well. After their brawl, O'Brien and Worf make up, but Worf says he still doesn't feel comfortable on the station, and he has decided to live permanently aboard the Defiant. J. 
Jadzia gives Worf a housewarming present of a mixtape of her favorite Klingon operas and says that Worf will still have to adjust to life on the station, to which he responds they may have to adjust to him. What do we think of Bar Association? I'm so proud of Rob! <laughs> Same. Like, Character growth! For this for Yay! So long. I, I, I thought he would be in that bar the entire series. I did not actually think he would ever yes. get out of it. And to see him be so happy about what is apparently like a really just shit entry-level job was really adorable. Where he's like, I'm working as a junior technician. Night shift. <laughs> Who cares? <laughs> it's so cute. He gets to be independent. Yeah. And, for and do something he has- he's actually good at. Yeah, exactly. Once he has a job where he could, where we're much much like Nog, there is totally room and a chance for like improvement and progression. Nice. So it's like, so it's like, so it's like knowing Rom and, and and every and everything he's done for Quark and just and just different stuff around the station that that we have learned over the past at at, at the very at the very least over the course of season three seasons three and four where it's like yeah. Rom basically did this to like to, to like MacGyver the crap out of this. He will do well. Like he knows what he's doing. He's clearly like really like what what what's what's the word? He's he's he's, he's re, he is very creative and crafty at problem solving as 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 far as technical as far as technical issues are concerned. Yeah. Resourceful. Extremely. That's resourceful. the word. Thank you. And he promises that he'll still fix Quark's uh, hollow suites and things and replicators and things of those natures with his spatulas and whatever else he has available. Yes. <laughs> I really hope for it. I really hope that sometime in the last season, like there's, you know, during the big final battle or whatever, there's some like big technical problem and Rom has to come in and yeah. fix it and he just saves the day. That would yeah. be so sweet. I mean, he's already want- saved. Uh, he helped Eddington save the crew when they got trapped in the hollow suite. Oh, that's yeah. true yeah so he already has saved the day once yeah yes. and that is no easy task no but yes i would love that too i'd love for rom to be an integral part of uh whatever final battle we'll be seeing yeah yes. i want him to have a soccer moment like like yeah. avatar the last airbender where it's like where it's like you think i have no abilities actually i'm one of the key people you should be listening to for this situation Sokka was so fascinating he was like i have no abilities and then by the end he's like basically iron man he can come up with any invention possible like yep. that's always been my thing is like i think being a super genius is a superpower you know what I mean? oh yeah, yeah. To, i feel like to be, to be able to just come up with stuff and build it and then also be like a like a bomb ass tactician yeah yeah pretty good skills exactly to have. exactly unlike bruce wayne whose superpower is his bank account what <laughs> basically yeah but i still like him but yeah that's definitely an issue yeah <laughs> Hey, look, you know, at least a rich guy's doing something good with his life. You know what I mean? This is true. Agreed. Or punching homeless people. I'm not sure, but I mean, maybe a better person <laughs> also. <laughs> uh, so what do you think of this sort of Ferengi version of Norma Ray? <laughs> like a sort of classic <laughs> union battle. There was a goofiness to it that I very much appreciated. But, but at the same time, at the same time, I think that kind of goes without saying because that kind of comes with every Ferengi centric episode that we've watched or or at the ver- at the very least most of them. Yes. Typically when they do a wacky episode, mm-hmm. I feel like they go for the Ferengi. Yeah. How about you, Sarah? What do you think of the episode? It was 
it was fun. And uh, actually, looking back on it, I, I think I, I like it a lot more than I did right after I got finished watching watching it. I think there is a a silliness to them, and I know that Quark is often a hotly debated topic. People who like DS9, mm-hmm. I think there's certainly a percentage of people who wish Quark was just not in the show at all. Mm-hmm. And the show is a lot more heavy and stuff, but uh, I like Quark at decent times, yeah. but I can understand that he can get old sometimes. And I think maybe that's what it was for me, was as I was watching it, I was like, oh, yet another silly Ferengi episode. Hooray. But afterwards, it's like, well, actually, good character growth for Rom, and you know, good good character growth for you know, the station and the bar, kind of, because you know, however short lived it may have been, they like they unionized, and it was great. And of yeah. course, O'Brien knows all about unions. No, it's right. It's a terrible story. Irish joke, but you know. <laughs> yeah people died he was martyred and rom's just like uh okay was he shot 34 times or 32 i can't remember uh-huh. <laughs> yeah like, it reminded me of of, reminded me of 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 what of when disney did their whole animated movie for the three musketeers with with, with mickey donald and goofy and, and and there and there was there was a scene there's a scene like right like right before they run off and mickey's like well save the princess or die trying and he and goofy run off they're like yeah and then but then donald pauses and he's like die <laughs> i don't say anything about that i just want to make quark mad <laughs> not everyone not bright <laughs> One thing I just thought was interesting to talk, we've talked in the past about how interesting it is that sci-fi religions can sort of take from all religions. And, and we see another one where they take from Ramadan for the Bajorans, which mm. I thought was sort of interesting. Yeah. When they have sort of a month of uh, of fasting that causes Skork to be <laughs> extra pissed off, which I could see. Yes. I could see being the only, uh, well, bar is not correct because it's a Muslim, but like a restaurant on a, in a Muslim place for a month, I'd be like, oh, can we, mm-hmm. can we not? But I thought it was neat. It was a neat little idea, and I liked uh, Kira's little line at the end, like, give me something, give me food. Just give me a freaking beer. I used to work with a, a Muslim woman, and I remember after Ramadan, she was like, I'm so hungry. Oh. <laughs> She's like, we're going to have such a big dinner. It's, I'm so excited. Yeah, she was just like, give me a drink. Hold the conversation. I don't want to. I don't want to talk right now. I I have I have a date with a cup of alcohol. <laughs> Not you. Not yes. you. That is why I'm here. I need this in me now, right now. Yes. Faster the better. Was there anything else to say for bar association? Well, let's talk about the B plot for a little bit, and that how Jadzia's gift of a mixtape of Klingon opera. She gave you a mixtape, dude. Yes, she gave you a mixtape. Like, what more (laughs) signs do you need? In what culture is that not romantic? (laughs) What was great about it is that it was so. 90s, early 2000s, where it's like if there's someone you like. Give them a cassette tape, or eventually give them a CD of oh, yeah. songs that you like that you think they'll like. I just, and like, I, if there had been any doubt in anyone's minds up to this point that you know she had a crush on him, <laughs> now it's like, wait a minute, 
it's like you did guys, the mixtape. Like, <laughs> like, like this, this is when this is when you start. This is when you start quoting Mrs. Potts, Lumiere, and Cogsworth, and you're like, there may be something there that wasn't there before. <laughs> it's like this is what happens. Come on, guys. And then Ch- and then Chip, who is played by Worf for some reason, is like, <laughs> what's there, Mama? It's like I'll tell you. I'll tell you when you're older. <laughs> I think it is kind of funny that for once Jadzia is on the other side of it because so many people are in love with Jadzia and can't see the deal, mainly Bashir, and now it's the opposite. Jadzia, it's like just, just figure it out, man. It's like mm-hmm. I'm here. How many right. duels do I have to do before we make out? Like Jesus Christ! Right. At least five more. <laughs> I thought in the way you guys were talking, cause you were like referencing something about the end of the episode, and I was like. When he was in that thing, he was like, they're going to kiss. This is the episode. That's what they're talking about. Right. And I was like, damn it. No. <laughs> Come on. And we get right to that end. And it's like, here's a mixtape. And like, not like not a kiss, not a hug or anything. It's just like, okay, here's your gift. Bye. And it's like, ah. <laughs> killing me. It's interesting that Worf wants to live alone on the Defiant. I'm, I'm, I'm curious why he thinks that will fix his problems. It's an interesting sort of move. Uh... I mean, it would be a lot more difficult for people to steal his stuff <laughs> if he's on the Defiant. He can like set up a security code. Oh, <laughs> one that he'll have to deactivate anytime they ever use the Defiant to go on some kind of mission. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm curious how Zark's gonna. I feel like we're setting up a full season arc with with Worf because we started the whole series with Worf entering, and then there was a whole episode where he mentions. You know how DS9, we had that little metal conversation, like DS9 is much more yeah. gray than TNG's, you know, more black and white. Um, and so I am curious what it's going to end with, and I wonder if right. the whole Jedzia thing is part of it. We're like, we're yeah, gonna, I, I just they're going to consummate, strong... and then they're going to—he's going to find consummate. his home. My hope. <laughs> no, yeah, I just hope it ends on a strong note because for me personally, it's like we've had so many episodes, or or or, or B plots of episodes. Where it's like, here's another instance of Worf trying to get used to being on the station. It's like that, and it's like to me, it's like that can only happen so many times <laughs> many. before it's like, okay, is he there yet? Has is he used to it yet? Because at some point, he's gonna have to, he's gonna have to just suck it up and just deal with it because or, or, he lives there now and it's his job. Or he's going to live on the Defiant four light years away <laughs> right it's like right. guys if you ever need this i'll come back but i'm just over here in like my own little my own little tree house yeah basically yeah. no girls allowed mm. <laughs> <laughs> except jazia sometimes you know except jazia. when we duel yeah yeah <laughs> for sparring <laughs> <laughs> all right was there anything else to say for bar association uh, I, this this doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the episode, but um, I will say for me, just by the title of Bar Association, like with like with Bar being in it, I I like I like how we are recording it like like a, a, a day a day or two after I saw a bunch of friends on Facebook basically posting that that they, that they that they had passed the Texas bar. Yeah, it's oh, true. Yeah, yeah. So, so so yes, I realized that to, to all my friends who are listening to this, it, like to all my lawyer friends who are listening to this, yes, I realized that, that that I'm a few I'm a few months late, but a very belated congratulations <laughs> because you all are awesome and you all are going to go on to do great things. So yeah. That's a very good sentiment. All right. Well, I think we'll end there. 
This has been our episode. Next week we will be discussing Season 4, Episodes 17 and 18, which is A Session and Rules of Engagement. As always, I want to thank my lovely co-host for joining me every week on this journey. Our theme song is by Captain Meatshield. You can check him out on Twitter at CPTN underscore Meatshield. We are a part of the Tuscan Shed Media Network. You can see more of our shows at TuscanShed.com. If you like this show, like, subscribe, rate, and review it any way that you can. It helps new listeners discover our show. Until next time, this is the crew of Geekspace 9 signing off. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening. <laughs>